the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday's sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching postmortem. I'm here with Jim, who is sitting in front of me, rocking in his rocking chair. As it should be, all is right with the world. I wonder how many other podcasters rock in a rocking chair while podcasting. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm also thinking because J- Jim, right before this started recording, or we were recording, so maybe you'll hear it someday. Um, was complaining about my mic being like askew by like degrees by various very degrees. small degrees and yet I feel like your rocking puts you like back and forth by worse degrees than my like slightly askew microphone <laughs> in my case it's ambiance <laughs> I wonder if anyone I wonder if anyone has noticed like that your voice is slightly slightly rocks back and forth um well do you, do you pick it up when you listen in <laughs> you tell me um welcome this is a place where we get to dive into jim's sermons from past week mm-hmm. this past sunday we were in isaiah 51 um 50 50 <laughs> wait it says it's 51 am i in the worship yeah prayer? Uh, it's a misprint. Oh, okay. typo. Fair enough. So wait, so this was a mistruth? Uh, this was not Isaiah 51? Uh, Isaiah 50 verses 4 to 9. Okay. Okay. The <laughs> <laughs> Tale of the Bulletin. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really do miss the days when I had a Bible in front of me, but I somehow can't get myself to <laughs> still, like, move past those days. Uh, that's exactly the sort of thing that a 2023 church grower would blame the church for, <laughs> because we're preventing you from reading the Bible. <laughs> I mean, there is a Bible, like, literally in front of me, too. I don't, but I, I think it's the wrong version. Uh, it's a fine version, but it's, you know, the yeah. small print. You don't know who yeah. else touched it. Yeah. Sometimes I, I do pull out my phone sometimes for context, for the passage yeah. in context, but um, I didn't this time, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's talk Isaiah 51. Um, Anything you want. So so tell us about the setup. So you've, you've given, this is your second sermon in mm-hmm. this Advent series, so you've kind of given us the setup of why Isaiah, but what about this specific sermon, this specific Sunday? Yeah. Isaiah 50 is the third of the servant songs of Isaiah. And interesting to me, I mentioned this at some point during the sermon um, that the focus here is more on the character of the servant than the role or the function of the servant. And the phrase that I used in the servant to, sermon a few times and also maybe in the, the title, thinking about Jesus as the best of us. And... I was struck as I was preparing the sermon that if Jesus is the true Israelite and the true human, isn't this the sort of human being that that we would aspire to be? And isn't this a great portrait of any person, 
and no coincidence that this any person is the person, the servant, the Messiah. And if this is Advent season, spending time thinking about whether for Advent or more generally, I want to make sure that I'm being near to this Christ because mm-hmm. he truly is a winsome person that you want to spend a lot of time with. And there, there are, in our lives, and we know people that are naturally magnetic or not. Shouldn't Jesus be the most magnetic person ever, mm-hmm. including as we encounter him in this passage prophetically? Right. Um, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm staring at it. It did. I definitely get it. Um, but from it, yeah, it, for me, it took a while to like stare at the passage while you were preaching to Mm -hmm. like get that you were describing this perfect, um, perfect human. Maybe this is presidents of the Lord, but where Mm -hmm. is Jesus specifically in the characteristics in this passage? Okay, presence of the Lord. So this is a servant. In some ways, Em, I allowed what I was talking about last week to also serve as the introduction for for this week, too. Are you looking at something? Uh, I'm just like, wait, I wonder if the passage is wrong. Is the whole passage wrong? (laughs) Wow. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught. Yeah, it's not right. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Wait, do I have the wrong... No, like, Tocqueville, Best of Us, Servant Songs of the Season. Uh, Okay. Okay. Peterson. So, sorry, we have the wrong passage here. But, yeah, no wonder you didn't get anything out of it. That that means you're paying attention. Uh, I mean, or it doesn't, because I wasn't listening to the... Do you read it? Okay. <laughs> like, or I wasn't reading along when you were re- reading it. Uh, I can't. I I can't tell you. Explain that. I usually do. <laughs> read along. This is funny. <laughs> okay, so, but tell us. So tell me about the passage. The Lord God has given me the tongue, and it could have been. I I just don't want to throw other people on the bus. I could have mislabeled it. Uh, when I was entering a sermon text for this Sunday, I'll uh-huh. have to go back and check. Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. So, and so on. So so Jesus is the, is the humble one. The, the language of servant is not used in this passage. It actually appears in the verse right after our sermon text, Isaiah 50, 10. Mm-hmm. So... If this is generally accepted as a servant song of Isaiah, and servant songs are interpreted by the church to be echoed by and fulfilled in Jesus, then all of this song describes and applies to Jesus in some way, shape, or form. And I simply went in the direction of looking at the qualities of the servant here in this passage and saying, look at how these qualities map so well onto the Jesus that we encounter in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. So that was the thought process behind it. Yeah, right. Um, and that, I guess, is what makes the prophet or what the concept of the prophet or the concept of uh, Jesus fulfilling the Messiah, the prophecy of the Messiah, yeah. um, so powerful. Um, and it's interesting to think about in the Christmas season, 
I don't know, with Hanukkah and like some of the awareness of Israel and Jews and Palestine, um, just the place of the Messiah in history um, and how when you were using the illustration of aliens, like um, yeah. like who you choose as your human, um, the idea that the Messiah who is described is the characteristics of humans that that were that were I don't know calling calling for or that um, yeah that resonate with us even um, if it's not spelled out as um, I mean we view it as spelled out as Jesus but the, yep. ca- the characteristics or qualities stand out even outside of specifically Christendom right and the theological framework for that making sense is that Jesus is both second Adam and also the new Israel. Mm-hmm. So the second Adam as in the the better summation of humanity as Adam and Eve were intended to be, but then also uh, faithful Israel where Israel itself failed. And as you were talking, um, I did go back and check. I misentered the sermon text into mm-hmm. our service plan for the, for last week. So mm-hmm. that, that was on me, although and also on me that I didn't catch it. So that's, that's <laughs> on the fault. creation that none of us, the rest <laughs> of us did either. <laughs> yeah, let me know. But um, yeah, so, so, so Jesus is this, this perfect human. Uh, and what would we want? Even ideally in the perfect human, we'd, we'd want the qualities of somebody who's good and kind and strong and mm-hmm. fair and just and not full of pride, not full of selfishness. And that's the Jesus that we encounter, especially in the first half of of the sermon text and i did try to accent as well the apostle paul says in the new testament uh, to the church imitate me as i imitate christ so this jesus is not only a representative but also a role model for Mm us and how how jesus is is also what what we should become um right and and so so there is the the humility aspect heeds the lord the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Uh, I think I mentioned this last week too. The, the church has confessed that as a human being, Jesus grew in qualities like wisdom over time. So, so he, he learned as he went through life. Jesus was more wise at the end of his life than at the beginning, uh, just like any of us would would hope to be so so jesus learning as he went not according to the divine nature but according to the human nature is part of our view of christ Mm -hmm. and that's something that we can apply to jesus as our model as well we need to we need to grow then then the second part imagery shifts from jesus the humble one to jesus the vindicated one so i use the second half of the sermon to talk about Jesus being vindicated as as the innocent one. So vindication is a courtroom word that also appears along with guilt and shame, adversary, all that stuff in the book of Romans. So there are some good Romans connections there. Uh, Jesus is the one that not only was the best of us, but this is the one that died is the worst of us that we would live. So we deserve death, but Jesus, the vindicated one, vivifies us and gives us life your vivifies is that a word for sure (laughs) yes (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Okay. So did you, were there parts that you did find challenging in this particular passage? Well, I, I guess I could have said this in calling it Stormy, Stormy Monday. This was an abbreviated week of sermon prep. Mm-hmm. My niece died unexpectedly two Fridays ago. And so Angel was going to preach this week and I was going to preach this coming week. He'll be out of town. We'll be out of town uh, in New Orleans for a funeral. But because I preached a week earlier than I thought, there's probably about half the preparation time that uh, mm-hmm. I usually put, put huh. into a sermon, which, which is fine. It happens uh, for very good and sad reasons right. in, in this case. Uh, and so really what the sermon was, was just kind of talking about what the, pa- what I thought the passage said and then, or there, there was less artfulness to, to the sermon. Luckily there wasn't anything super challenging, uh, interpretation wise, but maybe that relates too to the idea that I didn't spend a lot of time in the interpretive kitchen mm-hmm. too. I just said, Hey, I assumed that based on what I'd said the week before, this is about Jesus. Let's now yeah. look about how Let's this is about Jesus. And, and there's nothing too crazy. Uh, sometimes with prophecies that are considered messianic and fulfilled in Christ, there may be details where you go, huh, does that actually fit the life of Jesus? Uh, there's nothing in this passage that strikes a off note or sour note that makes people think, huh, this might actually not be a good fit for for Christ. So, to me, pretty straightforward. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, yeah, or I, I see it as straightforward. Did also. anything catch your eye? Um, in terms of challenge or in yeah. terms of the passage? I guess this is, I, this is, this is me having, uh, yep, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> not seeing okay. anything. That's fine. Um, I'm happy to muddy the waters unless you Yeah, we can jump into here. muddying the waters. Um, what are the parts as you were, as you were constructing, um, who were you trying to engage? I was trying to engage two issues that I think are sets of issues that both Christians and non-Christians may struggle with. One, this vision of Jesus presses against our pride, where if Jesus, the one who had every reason to be prideful because he was pretty awesome, was in fact humble, how much less reason do we have to be prideful, although we so often are? Then always a good opportunity to talk about how, as followers of Jesus, we're called to be humble, uh, spend some time or a couple minutes at least discussing how, and I've, I've said this before in sermons, but I think it's worth worth repeating if oftentimes Christians either really are or are perceived as the the meanest, most shrill, most judgmental, most hypocritical, most hypocritical people out there. If that's what Christians are actually doing, uh, they don't need less Christ, they need more. Mm-hmm. So the center of our story and our primary role model is not this real prideful person, but in fact the opposite. Uh, and if we really want the spirit of the season in our lives and hearts, uh, we need to be less prideful. So, yeah, pushing against people's pride was one thing. Right. The idea of humility. Um, and then some of the... Some of the um, 
the no condemnation or not putting to shame. So that uh, that crowd too. That was that, the other thing. Yeah. So if Jesus vindicates us, and if, as Paul says, there is now no no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, the direction that I applied that and was simply to think about how during the busyness and the pressures of the holiday season, and this is something that may not apply to everybody around the world and in all, all cultures, but at least for our context, mm-hmm. December's busier. December has a ton of consumerism. December has a lot of family stress. December has a lot of expectations and performance anxiety, mm-hmm. whether community-wise or family-wise. There's a lot of condemnatory, self-condemnatory stress that people can feel in the season. So I wanted to spend some time leaning into that. Yep. Um, right. And it, yeah, some very specific targeted uh, freeing from mom or dad guilt for fulfilling the season of Christmas. Right. Um, do, you, uh, do you ever feel mom guilt related to Christmas? <sighs> that, wasn't a, that wasn't a taunt or a tease. I was just inviting you to speak to it. I know. I, um, even talking about it makes me like think about all the things that I need to do like today. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe um, the, the, the message is not sunk in quite enough even though i think that um i think that mom guilt is definitely lifted now that our kids don't demand the correct yeah the guilt is less because the pressure is less because the age of our kids is less not because i've grown necessarily well, that, yeah that's encouraging the <laughs> and so so yeah talking about mom guilt dad guilt parent guilt whether it's a perfectionist impulse or also for an an economic reality if you can't Mm -hmm. if you simply can't afford to give your kids the presents that you feel other parents are able to to give their kids um if you're not doing fancy fancy stuff going fancy places Or if you flip it to the audience of thinking about what you want and like thinking, seeing what other people have or are are getting for Christmas, that yeah. that would be traditionally the like little kid um, heartbeat. But we we are not free from jealousy ourselves. For sure. So so Christmas is both condemnation season and jealousy season. Mm-hmm. The, those those things those things are connected. Yeah. I met both with Josh Postlewaite, our, we're recording on the Tuesday after the Sunday sermon, our pastoral resident, and then also Angel, our assistant pastor of, of discipleship. Uh, Josh is going to preach the Sunday after Christmas and talk about struggles and hardships, including mm-hmm. related to the holiday season. Probably those are the two primary thrusts that a lot of Christmas ser- sermons and Advent sermons, including for me, will try to, try to address the the sadness of the season but then Mm -hmm. also the the stresses of the season including related and this was where i went this sermon if suffering and sadness was more last week this one at least at this point was the the shame that comes to the competitive condemnatory jealous aspects of trying trying to get through the, (coughs) the the holiday season but but we're we're simply wired wired in these in these directions right and it's yep it's a good it's a good uh shaping 
to to have to redirect your heart towards um towards some of the advent call to be to be like jesus to be the humble servant yeah i hope so even as i'm like checking like shipping notifications and that sort of thing it's a good reminder to me <coughs> that christmas is more than stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay anything else in muddying the waters i think that's all i got baby okay Barring cover tunes, you <clears throat> you did you were really quote heavy. I think I feel like references maybe a little bit all over the place. Um, That's what I do sometimes. Jumping into like our your audience participation. Um, the crowd your introduction. Your I guess the first first one was Carl a Carl Sagan quote. You were. Well, it wasn't a, a lo- quote, but Carl Sagan. <laughs> Was the curator of the Voyager Golden Record? That mm, that was the I see. equivalent of a data disc that was right. included on the Voyager space shuttle, space satellite that uh-huh. was sent into space in the in the late seventies, right. and and included a record of humanity to show aliens. Uh, yeah, I, I spent a few minutes. I guess I remembered in the back of my mind that this happened, but it was fun to spend a. I mean, I think research is too Reading strong about a it. word for... It's a little <laughs> bit like, what time capsule, what what are you going to yeah. put in the time capsule right. for yourself, for the generations? Exactly. But and in this case, it was to for, the, all for the aliens. <laughs> for the aliens. Right. And, uh, you know, lots of science stuff. The, the thing that I remembered, and I guess reading about it confirmed to me, that the reason that I remembered, I... It, some, different points I've either read or have heard the controversy related to the inclusion of Chuck Berry's Johnny B. Good <laughs> on the on the representation. But you support. Humanity. Yeah, I think Good choice. That, that's as as good a as as good a track as any to, to, to put on my art. I'm not sure they'd ever come to decision if they tried to make this package now, this this alien life form. Oh, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. But but there's yeah, it's it's a fun experiment. My, our brother-in-law Victor worked in a record store in high school. He tells a story that there was he was in suburban Orlando. There is a Japanese tourist that, or Japanese national, assuming that he was a tourist, probably to Disney World. So, so a lot of like Disney folks would come in through the tourists going to Disney World would come in through through the record store. Victor tells a story about how he went straight to the front cashier, which was Victor, and said, what is the best rock album? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Victor, and Victor gave what? Uh, who's next from The Who? So Victor at first scoffed, but then said, wait, this is a serious question. <laughs> Let me think here about what, what the best And what rock would you album. give? I feel like you're asking yeah, for this softball. softball. What, what uh, would you give? Born to Run, yeah. Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. 1975. Who's Next is actually an excellent choice as well. As is, if you're just picking one song, Chuck Berry, Johnny B. Good. And this was before Johnny B. Good appeared so prominently in Back to the Future in the mid-80s. So, yeah. But do you, also do you Beethoven feel like, Bach. Do you feel like Bruce would represent humans? <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like Taylor has usurped him? Person of the year. She's too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is Bruce is the, the the street urchin. If they were more similar in age, they would have made a great power couple. <laughs> what well, could have been? 
<laughs> that, that's some fan fiction I'm not going to look at. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, so we had the, the Voyager record, which just came to mind as an instance of what if we had contact with aliens. And that was just a conceit to get to Jesus being the, mm-hmm. the best of us. But sure. fun to think about the Voyager record, Alexis de Tocqueville... Made democracy, democracy in America. Let me make fun of French people, and that—that's a book that I do. So, uh, did you ever read Talk Democracy in, no. in America? I—I I never have. It's—it's—it's it's, it's one that comes up in what I read pretty frequently. Hmm. So, so it's a book that's quoted, that was quoted at the time, referenced at the time, in pretty much every era, including this one. After that, so, go for it. So, so the outsider. Put it on the list, January. Yeah, and and I, uh, it, bar band cover tune. This is, I don't know if this could have gone in a di- different section better, but but the claim that I made that I think there would be a fairly wide consensus that if we were picking one, re- it's hypothetical, one representative human being to represent all of us to an alien species. Most people I think a lot of people would, be would okay. say would, okay would, with Jesus. would say Jesus, <laughs> even non-Christians. Uh, so just to be clear, there was no research or could put out a survey. analytics. I'm I'm a qual, not not a quant. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Mother Teresa I mentioned Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Julius Caesar, and then I bet the random selection would also get a lot of votes. Yeah, actually, I think more more the rando would. I feel like the yeah, rando would win, especially over in Jesus. Current <laughs> current culture of well. But yeah. why is the rando named Bob? Because <laughs> Bob's a funny name. <laughs> That's okay, reason. Jim. Bob, Bob from accounts. Yeah, Jim from accounts could also. Uh, I, th- I think Bob from Accounts genuinely is funnier than Jim from Accounts. <laughs> Bob from Accounts. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, we had that. Uh, did I remember to quote Philip Roth towards the end of the sermon, or did I forget? I don't have him. Oh, man. Eugene Peterson. <sighs> yeah, I think I... So, Peterson, long obedience in the, in the same direction. Uh, talking about condemnation season, and I was going to say... That this was a very scattered Sunday mentally for me, so mm-hmm. it, it was not my most focused Sunday. Not to make excuses or say that I should be that way, but it just sort of happened. Um, uh, thinking about if we self condemnation season, jealousy season, stress season, uh, if we can feel alone in our humiliation. I think this quote was one of the reflection quotes at the beginning of the worship mm-hmm. folder. Philip Roth, in one of his novels, quips, as though the ever-hovering shadow of humiliation isn't, in fact, what binds one to everyone else. Uh, the unifying ingredient between all, of a, of shame. Be, between all of humanity is humiliation. The ever-hovering shadow of... The cringeworthy... Of humiliation. It's kind so, of like all of TikTok. Yeah. Uh, well, we think we can think that we're alone in these things, but uh, we're actually very much like everybody else. Uh, as the ever hovering shadow of humiliation uh, hangs over all of us. Uh, then, then there is also a Bible scholar talking about within the Judeo-Christian world, humility is not this doormat sub rank submission to somebody of higher rank, but instead. It's it's the recipe for uh, community and equality. So, in a world that's fractured, divided, 
in so many ways antagonistic towards one another, people thinking they're better than others. This Jesus ethic of humility still pops. And then the, the last Barban cover tune, I, I remember that I did not forget to mention Black Bolt at the end of this <laughs> if, if you were still paying attention at that time. Do you, that was funny. Do you know who Black Bolt is? No. Okay. <laughs> the, yeah, so Black Bolt, minor Marvel, actually really powerful, but lesser known Marvel superhero. It seems like a stupid power. Uh, yeah. Well, he's actually, so <laughs> in, in comic books, Black Bolt is married to another superhero. She's her name is Medusa, and one. This will sound sexist. I don't mean it to. One might say, from a character and story perspective, Medusa overfunctions because because Black Bolt doesn't her say doesn't anything. Talk, so Medusa, <laughs> it's a very talkative. I mean, character. there are people who like uh, do use sign language. Like, there's other ways of communicating. Sure. But in, in comics, most of the time, Black Bolt just sits there and then Medusa oh says, gosh. Black Bolt is very Useless. unhappy with or, or, or maybe that describes that the marriages as, as currently constituted. Uh-huh. But yeah, so Black Bolt, uh, even when he whispers, his word has the power to destroy. That came to my mind simply by way of contrast. If in Isaiah uh-huh. 50 verse 4... Uh-huh. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. So if Jesus is able to sustain us merely with the word, he's the anti-black bolt. And I, 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 yeah, how many people raised their hands? I don't think any. No, I think there was, Did, oh, oh, wait, I, I was looked there back, there's at least one. Okay. Uh, I feel like Brian, maybe. And now I'm not positive. Yeah. I I, I, I didn't see any. Okay. In, so you got nothing. In, in, mm. in real time. And he wasn't Dr. Strange, the like. Right. Was he one of the. He was one of the multiple. The destroyer characters. people. Yeah. yeah. Kind of vaguely remembered that. Um, wasn't named when you just alluded to. Or like he no, had he the named. action, but oh, okay. No, we just named. didn't catch it. Uh, okay. But the, the significance of Black Bolt, as far as the MCU is concerned, mm-hmm. is he probably died the most gru- gruesome graphic death in the history oh, of the no. MCU. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I need the description. <laughs> you yeah. could just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, or unless you want to tell us. <laughs> I'd say watch the movie, but it's not very good. But that's What movie? Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. He's he, oh, I see what you're saying. I don't remember. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> um, any leftovers? Got anything here? I I don't believe so. I think the. You wish you could redo the, the sermon. <laughs> wrong in the bulletin. We also had problems with the sermon recording this week in the live stream. So oh no! Everything, it was, not, everything not was on fire. Um, That's and okay. then I didn't even catch it. I didn't review notes. I often do, but I didn't this time. Fair. So, um, and just to let people know too, uh, there will be no podcast next week because I'll be out of town for the funeral including at the beginning of this coming week. So there won't be time for me to interview sure. Angel before, yep. before so a little when, when we would post. So people Christmas will have to break. wait again. You can do it. For, to hear Angel. Merry on Christmas, the, everyone. On the, you can hear Angel on the Five Golden Things pod oh. feed. But 
not yet on Post Sunday Blues. We do have another Five Golden Things episode dropping this Friday. Okay. After Church this Sunday, uh, Maya Root and I recorded an episode about her five favorite Christmas songs. So okay, I think fun. I think it was last year, five worst Christmas songs mm, ever, mm-hmm. and then this is the bookend, the companion episode of five more favorite. hopeful. Yeah. Good job. On a high note. <laughs> Bring some hope into the world. Okay. Um, and with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Happy.